Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. We'll be our experimental prototype city on the Mars. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a, this is Brian Miles. Uh, welcome to a surprise uh, little interview episode here of the Retro Disney World podcast. Uh, with me tonight is Hal Bowers. Hello, hi, everyone. And I am, of course, greeting you from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, Todd and JT have the night off doing other things, but uh, we wanted to do a quick interview tonight with uh, not only a fan of the show, but a Disney artist uh, who will be appearing soon at Disney Springs. And we wanted to let our listeners know because he does some great uh, pertinent retro stuff, uh, Disney stuff. And with that, I want to let Hal introduce our guest tonight. So tonight we have the pleasure of speaking with illustrator Dave Perillo, who uh, who is an illustrator from the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area, right close by to Brian, I suspect. Absolutely. Um, um, he is a silkscreen poster artist, and that art has been featured in gallery shows across the United States. And he does commercial work for clients such as Target and Warner Brothers, uh, CBS Television, and Disney, of course, which is why we're particularly excited to have him here tonight. Um, his artistic influences are 1950s science fiction films, Charles Schultz, Jim Flora, Ray Harryhausen, uh, Roy Lichtenstein, Jim Henson, Hanna-Barbera cartoons, uh, The Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock, and advertising characters. Um, he'll be appearing in person, live, at the Wonderground Gallery inside the Marketplace Co-op at the Disney Springs from October 21st to October 23rd. And with that, we would like to welcome Dave Perillo to the show. Thanks, Dave. Hey, how you all doing? Good. How you doing? I'm <laughs> doing our good. There's our Philadelphia <laughs> greeting. Yeah. <laughs> so so Dave and I met uh, for the first time two years ago at RetroCon, uh, which we had a table at last year. And uh, I've seen Dave at Comic-Con, at Philadelphia Comic-Con, and a few other conventions in the area. He usually has a couple of art other artists uh, uh, that, are, that are his neighbors that we've all become kind of friendly. And my friend at uh, Philadelphia Comic-Con this year, uh, th this will be the intro that's non-Disney related, bought a fantastic... Uh, airline poster, but it is the autopilot from Airplane 2, right? Is it one or two? Uh, one. It's air, air, okay, Airplane 1. That's right. Airplane 2 was on the space shuttle. So, yeah. uh, he, he, but, but the, the notable thing about that poster that he bought that you did, uh, featuring the autopilot from Airplane 1 is that it displaced a poster I gave him two years ago for Christmas in his kitchen. So, Dave Perillo knocked me off of Alex Jarna's wall in, in his kitchen. <laughs> there you go. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, for starters, uh, what you're going to be showing at the gallery? Sure. Um, so I'm going to be at, like you said, the Marketplace Co-op, the little underground gallery that's featured down there. And uh, I have four new uh, prints 
that they're going to uh, debut, I guess, when I'm down. They might be out now. Sometimes they put the merch dice out early, but I think it's coming out when I get down there. Um, and it's four new postcards, prints, uh, oversized, the Lux prints, they call them. And they're based off of uh, sort of a modern twist on the old attraction posters. Like I've done an updated version, my version of those throwback old attraction posters that you would see back in Disneyland and Disney World, more so Disneyland in the 50s and 60s, where they would have these giant oversized screen prints when you would walk into the parks featuring what rides and attractions they would feature. So I kind of did a updated new version of them in my own style. And uh, this is the second time I've done it. The first batch I did last year was uh, I did a Haunted Mansion, uh, Small World, Space Mountain, and uh, Jungle Cruise. So this time around, I got to do four new, four new ones, and I picked uh, Dumbo, Peter Pan's Flight, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and my personal all-time favorite ride, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, even All though right. it's not featured in Disney World anymore. It still exists in Disneyland, so I wanted to make sure I got to do Mr. Toad. So that's basically what I'll be signing when I'm down there. And they, from what I heard, they don't tell me much, but they put it also on some merchandise too, so it's on glassware and pillows and i know they've done small world one on a bag and luggage tag so they throw it on different things so so there's <laughs> a variety of price points that someone can get into your artwork <laughs> yes everything from like five dollars up to the super deluxe 400 prints they sell so it, it you know it it should be something everybody could afford <laughs> excellent so but that's what's so- have down there so dave that begs a question i'm sure our listeners would want to know is how how uh, how much consultation do you do with their merchandise people uh, in choosing, in this case, your theme, which four attractions you would pick for the for the uh, artwork? They're really open to it, especially because when you work with the Wonderground Gallery, it's not really as, uh, affiliated with uh, the the parks merchandise stuff. It, it kind of it's on its own little island, which is good because when you do stuff directly for parks, um, sometimes you run into problems. There's a lot of approvals. But with Wonderground Gallery, they're very open to letting the artists kind of do what they want to do. You still have to run it by them. And basically what you do is you submit a proposal with some rough concept sketches. And you say, this is, this is basically my basic idea. And then they sign off on it. Then you're allowed to kind of go from there. So it's pretty smooth when you're working through Wonderground because they are really open to letting the artists do their thing. The only weird glitch that I kind of ran into was this time was which I didn't, they didn't even bring it up last time, was that there was a possible issue with whether the people on the rides needed to have the proper safety harnesses <laughs> or if you were allowed to like, cause, but they, it's, I think they just were like, no, it's, it's okay. Cause it's not, it's a very loose artistic interpretation of the ride. It's not, you know, the kid's like flying on Dumbo. He just doesn't need a seat <laughs> right. belt. Yeah. I see you do have the safety bar on the doom buggy in the haunted mansion one. So <laughs> you, I do. And I didn't even think of it. I just threw it because it's there. That's, that's <laughs> kind of what, but I didn't, I didn't put the safety bar on Mr. Toad this time around. So, which I don't even know if there is one. I can't remember if there's a, there was, a safety it, bar it, it was remarkably easy to pop if you knew what you were yeah. doing, but there, there, there was one in Walt Disney world and there, there currently is a safety bar in the Disneyland version today. Okay. Don't want anybody falling out of, that, that's right. That's yeah. right. So I was looking over your list of influences uh, and mm-hmm. I saw a lot of names that I recognized, uh, 
and and also like love the illustration of like Jim Flora especially. It's like I, I saw that in there. I'm like, oh yeah, I totally totally see that. Um, but but one of the conspicuously missing names was actually Disney stuff. So what was your process of uh, how did you end up getting hooked up with Wonderland Gallery or or I don't know if maybe the relationship started with another facet of the company. But can you give us sort of like the quick point A and point B of how you launched your career and then how you ended up getting to work with Disney? Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, one Disney artist that I am heavily influenced by is Mary Blair. So I do. It's just I should not allow whispers. I should I should update my (laughs) influences. But Mary (laughs) Blair is definite a definite influence on kind of what I do Um, just from like the small world aesthetic to, you know, like just a lot of the stuff in Disneyland. So that's right. a big influence. But the way I kind of got into Wonderground Gallery was it started, I think, I think it's been open now for maybe four, four years, five years, maybe the one in, in uh, California. Uh-huh. And when they started it, they went out and they looked for artists. And I do a lot of work for a gallery called Gallery 1988 in Los Angeles. So they, picked a lot of artists that do work with them because they their whole idea behind the gallery was we want to do kind of a Disney version of that kind of pop culture art scene where they have these new contemporary artists kind of taking existing properties and things and doing their spin and take on it. So that was their whole pitch for that gallery to begin with. And I remember I was one of the first ones that got in there. It was like a group show and it was the theme. They were going to have themes they were gonna have like a gallery show every three months i think and then rotate it out and have themes and the first theme was uh pixar so we got to do different variations on pixar things and i think they've kind of dropped the that kind of model for the gallery now it's just like stuff comes in you know there's not a there's not a set show every three months it's basically whatever's new stuff's coming in they have the artists come in they do signings it's, so it's a little different now than the, than the gallery 1988, 1988 kind of model where every month they do a different kind of pop culture or art themed show. So gotcha. that's kind of how I got into Wonderground was from doing work from Gallery 88 and other pop culture galleries. They kind of saw my stuff there and they're like, oh, we like what this guy does. It kind of fits. It would, it would work well with our stuff, you know. So they, they sent me an email and they said, do you want to be part of this Pixar show? And I was like, sure, yeah, I'm not going to turn that down. So that's <laughs> how I initially got in there. And we're going to, we're going to send links out to a lot of, uh, <clears throat> to your website and your Tumblr and, uh, a lot of the other places are actually your blog spots so that people can see the other work that you've done. Cause you have sure. an incredible depth, uh, I think not only to the properties that you've worked with, but like, I like the fact that your style is not a hundred percent consistent. It's like, you do kind of change it up a little bit depending on what you're trying to do. I mean, it's, it's still uniquely you, but I can see you're tweaking it you know, as necessary to, to fit what you're working on, which is, which is really impressive. Yeah. That really kind of depends on the clients that I'm working for it, and, and the properties that I work for some properties and clients will be like, Oh, well, and if I do stuff for the Simpsons, for example, they want you to stay more on model. So I try and put as much as myself into the piece as I can, but the characters end up looking closer to how they would be drawn on the Simpsons than how, I would maybe handle it if they were like, draw it how you want to draw it. So, right. but then, you know, sometimes you get to do, you know, whatever. So, and it's cool. Like, like Disney's, especially Wonderground, they're pretty open. They're like, yeah, you know, we just like your retro thing. So just kind of do that. So I can kind of <laughs> do whatever, especially with the rides. 
uh, posters, which I've always been, you know, like, especially the, the ones I'm doing now for them. It's like that look, that kind of aesthetic of working typography and vintage advertising into a piece of artwork is always something I'm really kind of drawn towards doing. So, yeah, I have to say, having worked with a lot of illustrators and gone up through school with many illustrators, uh, your grasp of typography is astounding. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you really have that nailed uh, along with the illustration. So I, I I must give you a ton of credit for that. Thank you. I think I always think that people like when they look at when they especially when they try and do like um, like throwback or retro kind of. Um, takes on things and they want to use typography, they, they almost overdo it and they don't really think about what was really used back then. You know, there isn't like, you know, like you might see, you go to like a fifties themed burger restaurant now and they've got like every kitsch font you could possibly find. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I get it. You're trying to make it look like a fifties restaurant, but technically if it was in the 1950s, they were probably using a lot of Helvetica. So it's like you know, yeah. the fonts that, you, that aren't as exciting were the ones they use. It just depends on how you handle it in the piece. That is really what, what sells it. Yep. <laughs> so I try and always, I look at, I actually look at advertising and signage and, you know, all that stuff from back then to see what they were using, not what people think they were, using. <laughs> you know, Right. That that research part is, I think, really important. And a lot of people that, that get into art and design, I think, don't really appreciate that the first part of doing a lot of projects is going back and looking at what's actually been done and then letting that wash over you and figuring out what works and doesn't work. But like actually spending some time hitting the books and, and seeing uh, what was real instead of what was that art directed perception that a lot of people give you of, of what was going on then. Right, exactly. And I'll just say, uh, your work for the Cyclops uh, print works is is also fantastic. You've done a number of posters for them that are that are also top notch. Um, oh, thank you. I'm assuming probably a good part of this work is digital, but your output has has been silkscreen. It looks like almost from day one. Uh, what attracted you to silkscreen versus just you know straight lithography or G clay? And and what do you like about the silkscreen process that's a little different from just straight digital output um well again it harkens back to how they used to print stuff so that that's one aspect of it that i kind of enjoy um just the, the the old style printing technique is basically how everything was done to and it was for cost effectiveness because it was really cheap to do and um i mean now digital printing is probably cheaper than, than screen printing but it still like harkens back to that that day of when silk screens was the way to kind of like output cheap posters that they could put up and it didn't matter what happened to them. <laughs> um, do most of my work digital and it's flat vector work. So it, it, it kind of works really well for when you're printing it to do screen prints. It's a lot of just like black colors. Um, you know, like if you're doing a lot of traditional illustration, you, you know, you can screen print it. There's ways you can do that, but it's, I think for what I do, it's just, it's kind of like lends itself directly towards that printing process. And it is, when you're doing like limit, like people seem to like to collect the screen prints because there is this limited edition kind of quality to it. Because once you know they make these screens, you know they burn the screens, they print the print, they send you your prints. That's the edition. Basically, those screens get repurposed. That's that that edition. You can never create that edition exactly how it was from the first time you did it. There's going to be slight variations, and when they mix the colors again, even if you try to do it again. You know, so there is a unique, very limited quality to that. Well, if it was like a digital output, you could just go back and print it again and it's going to look very close to how it is. And 
you know, you could just keep printing out thousands of them. You don't ever have to like worry about like making a new screen and prepping it. So I, I do, I think people like that. I enjoy that. I think it kind of makes the art a little bit more collectible. I kind of wish they would go more towards that at Disney with actually make like, cause the ones that I, I did for them, I designed them as screen prints, but they're not done as screen prints, but oh, okay. they're just digital prints because I don't know if they have caught onto the, the collectability of to that, to that level yet. It's just easier for them to just, they can just, they can, they can make, they can mass produce it if they want. Cause it's, it's kind of how everything in the parks is, you know? And so hopefully I'm, I'm hoping that at one point they, they start kind of catching on to that collectible niche that people like to have these done as screen prints and maybe they'll start making stuff like that. Cause that's how it used to be. And for, especially with their attraction posters in the parks, they were all done as screen prints. And I think people would really want them. I, I mean, I know if they put out those original prints, just even reissues on screen prints, I would snatch them up right away. I mean, those things are amazing. Dave, you mentioned some of your previous work for Disney that some of our listeners, uh, particularly, I mean, our listeners are big, big uh, consumers of retro styled merchandise. What other stuff have you done besides this attraction set? Um, I've done, I've actually worked on some of the vinyl nations, so I got a chance to do them and I've worked with there. There's a shop now down there called 28th and Main. So I've worked with, uh, I did some concepts and they actually made one of my shirts that's available now. It's actually Mr. Toad shirt. Anytime I can do like any kind of Mr. Toad stuff, I always like wedge it in there. If there's somewhere <laughs> to finagle them into like going, Hey, how about a Mr. Toad thing? And they're like, Oh, okay. So I, you know. So I'm always happy when I can get more Mr. Toad merchandise into the parks. And, but, and you, uh, that, so I've done a power. You did a West Coast appearance sometime this year, didn't you? Go out to Disneyland? Now, the last time I was out there was for D23. I did a signing at D23. Last That's it. Yeah, I remember seeing a picture. Year, yeah. of, I remember seeing a picture of you and Ian holding up your Small World uh, stuff. Oh yeah, we actually that we just actually went to the park that day. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> so even do an appearance. <laughs> you you saw your yeah, artwork we, in the park. That's got to be cool. Yeah, I just yeah. Yeah, we were just we were just having fun that day. So we went to the park to to, to uh, hang out. I didn't have a an appearance scheduled. Uh, <laughs> I thought about like emailing them, going, "Hey, I'm going to be down there," but then I'm like, "Well, I kind of just want to go to the park that day." So I only had one one free day when I was out in California. He so just, he just rides Mr. Toad over and over again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have done that where I've gone on the thing like ten times in one day. It was very <laughs> exciting. I remember um, getting to be on it when it actually broke down one time, which was. Very exciting because they turn on the lights and you kind of get to see all the inner workings of the ride when a when a ride breaks down and they actually had to walk me out like they so they we got to walk through the ride nice. with it all the lights on which is kind of I don't know I I like that stuff and you can see like kind of the behind the scenes stuff too on especially like a like my most favorite ride there um, I don't know I was always drawn to that that ride as a kid just because I remember it going into my first time when I was five years old and I was fascinated the ride ends with you getting hit by a train and basically you end up in hell. It was such a weird, unusual <laughs> ride that I'd never been on. And my, I made my mom take me. I was like, why do you want to keep going on this ride where you get hit by a train? I'm like, it's great. You get hit by a train and you get end up in hell. It's like, this is gruesome. I don't know. But I was always, it was always attracted to it. So. It, um. it is a wonderful thing in its undisneyness, but still being right. Disney. It's, it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great contrast. God bless Raleigh yeah. Crump. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did you ride the Walt Disney World version of Mr. Toad's uh, Wild Ride as well? I did. I liked that one because it actually had – you could go on two different paths. There was a variation. Well, the Disneyland one doesn't really doesn't have a variation. There's only one set path you can go on. So I always liked that. Um, I don't re- 
I'm having trouble remembering the Disney World one as much as the because the Disneyland one, you know, I, I guess it's I can't remember when they shut down the one in Disney World. Um, it's been a while now. I didn't I didn't get down there. It was like five years, you know, before that was the last time I was down there. And then I didn't get down there again. And then so I missed it. it so then I had to fly out to California to start riding on Mr. Toad in Disneyland. <laughs> 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 and now it's like I've been to Disneyland, I think, even more than Disney World just because I'm out in California a lot. So. I have more of a clear recollection of what the one in Disney uh, land is like, but I have, I have like books on the, like the, the attraction and, and uh, like the map of the path. And I kind of remember that there was two ways you could go depending on how you, you went in. Yep. So that was kind of exciting. <laughs> the outcome was still the same. You ended up getting hit by that train no matter what. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so do you collect any art? You said you, that uh, Mary Blair was a big influence on you. It's like, are there is there any artwork from the Disney parks or, or from Disney animation that you personally collect that, uh, that you groove on? Um, I don't really – no, I don't buy too much – I, the funny that the one thing I actually have hanging up a lot of is a lot of Hitchcock posters. I, I was, you know, I was like, I like Saul Bass and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's pretty much like my whole basement is like a whole wall of just every Hitchcock movie poster, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. Cause they're not like, they're not screen printed ones, but then, and, and any kind of like retro, just retro design stuff like I have hanging up. So, um, I have a Mary Blair print. I mean, nothing, you know, I couldn't afford any kind of original right. Mary Blair stuff, but, um, I actually do have a, Electric sign, which is one thing I treated myself to, which was kind of cool. cool. But yeah, because yeah. <laughs> um, he, you know, he would do the serographs and, and screen prints too, so he could. They weren't outrageously overpriced, but so that was one thing I, I did get. But that's that's pretty much what I have hanging up. Um, I buy a lot of toys. <laughs> More <laughs> of what I collect. Uh, vintage toys and things like that. Yeah, like, yeah it's got to be hard staying in your budget and not spending all the proceeds from these conventions you go to, because walking the floor of these conventions, it's just every toy you ever wanted growing up is for sale somewhere on somebody's table. Oh yeah, RetroCon especially is really bad because I go there and I basically spend all the money I would make selling artwork. <laughs> but it's like that's like my worst convention I go to with spending money. I try and be good at the at the other ones. There's a lot of the other ones new stuff, but I like to collect a lot of the, the vintage toys when I had as a kid. So like just this past one, like I, the other thing I collect is metal lunch boxes. So I have I have yeah. a decent amount of them now. So that when you go to RetroCon somebody always has them and I try and not go crazy with it and buy too many of them. But I was good this year. I, I held off. I just got an ET one. That was the only one I bought, but there was like a bunch that I wanted to get. So, <laughs> but I'm running out of space for them because they're not like, they, they take up a lot of room, you know, the metal lunch boxes. So they're now just getting just stacked up until I find some new way to display the new ones I get. But uh, <laughs> I got to figure out something. What's your, uh, what's your Holy grail lunchbox right now to get? To go oh, to buy. Yeah, oh, to buy. Um, well, an, orig- an original star Wars one, that I had when I was a kid. I would love to get my hands on one of them again, but they go for, they go for a lot in good shape. You can find ones pretty beat up, but I'd like to, I don't like them super beat up. Like I, I can handle it if there's a little bit of rust and maybe the kid's name's written on the inside. That doesn't bother me. Right. But to get like a, like a decent one, they go for a couple hundred dollars. So, and, and I'm always trying to find like a good deal on them, especially retrocon because you can, you can find people that sell them at a reasonable price and they're not too crazy, but that's, that's the one one I definitely want to eventually pick up. Was that the one with the uh, Starfield with the X-wing getting shot by the Tie Fighter yeah. from behind on it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I have yeah. a I have a repro of it. I, I had <laughs> that lunchbox. 
At one yeah. point in my life, was, I had that lunchbox. That was the one I had growing up. And I had that and the Peanuts one, and I got the Peanuts one. I was able to find that because they made a lot of them, so they're yeah. not too hard to come yeah. by. But um, I was able to track that down. But. Do you happen <laughs> to have the uh, the Walt Disney World uh, one from that time period? With from the, the 80s? Uh, no, I, I haven't gotten that one. I did see somebody had that. They were asking too much money for it, so mm-hmm. I, I was like, eh. I did see, I've seen it once. At, it might have been a RetroCon last year. Um, it's a cool one though. It is neat. It's like the Walt, the Walt Disney World one. Is that the one? Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, a, there's yeah. a Disney World one yeah. and there's a Country Bears one. There's a Country yeah. Bears one they yeah. made in the seventies. Well, I think it's the yeah. one has Country Bears on one side, and then it's got like a train. It, it's got like sort of like a montage thing, but it's got these fantastic little illustrations that run around the the outside band. Yep. <laughs> there's the one that I love especially is this. It's this. It's so simple. It's just this really simple thing of like the the Nautilus submarine and then some tentacles from the from the squid coming up and then just a little bit of water and just this little indication of like rocks from the waterfall behind it. It's just fantastic. <laughs> and that's on the uh, the country bear one. Yeah, I think that's on the on the sides of the country bear. So there's as as it okay. goes around, there's like different little vignettes of different attractions. So I think there's like a little jungle uh, cruise cool. and that thing, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, uh, you got the show coming up, uh, and we'll publish yep. the times that you're going to be there. I can throw those out. He'll be in Disney Springs if you're down there this weekend, uh, which is the twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, right? He's there mm-hmm. Friday night from five to eight. Saturday night from five to eight and Sunday noon to three. So if you go to Raglan road for brunch on Sunday, you can then pop over there, uh, full of with a full belly and then, uh, buy up some Dave Perillo artwork. That sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you do a busy convention circuit. What cons do you have coming up? Uh, well, I just finished. I just, I think I'm pretty much done for the year for conventions because I did New York and that usually, that's usually the last one for the year until next year. I'm not sure what the first one will be next year, but I do have a two man show, a gallery show in, in uh, opening November 3rd in San Francisco at Spoke Art Gallery with um, artist Tom Whalen, who does a lot of he does a lot of great Disney stuff mm-hmm. um, for Cyclops, and he's done some stuff for the parks and stuff like that too. So we have a two person show, and our th- we have our theme of the show is is all super science. Uh, which is like the fictitious science that you would see in TV and movies. Um, you know, like you can make a dinosaur by finding a mosquito in amber and taking the DNA out of them. So stuff like that. We're doing like kind of like uh, retro screen print, advertising, infographic kind of artwork that kind of goes with that theme. So, and that's at Spoke Art Gallery in San Francisco. And it runs from November 3rd till I think the third week in November out there. So okay. if anybody's in the San Fran area and wants to come out and check that out, we'll be out there for that opening too. So, Do you ever get down to Megacon in Orlando? We have a lot of listeners who go to that. Now, one of these, one of these times I want to do, do that convention, especially since I'm not sure if they, I think they moved it because it used to be in February, which is a great time to get down there because, you know, plus being in Pennsylvania, yes. <laughs> you definitely want to get down to Florida in February. So but I think they moved it now. I think it actually is, is later in the year. So I definitely want to try and do that convention. It, the tough thing is I have like my posters are so large and stuff like that. When you got to fly, you got to ship everything. And then it gets, it gets a little tricky getting all your stuff down there and set up and 
it's easier. It's definitely easier to drive to a convention. So, you know, not that I wouldn't drive to Florida, but <laughs> then it ends up being like a week long trip of getting down, getting back. And then you're basically at a convention all weekend, but it's, it is one I definitely wanted to check out eventually. Excellent. I'm sure our locals down there will be excited about that. If you, if you manage to make it. Yeah. Plus it's near Disney. So, you know, you can can't you can go, go wrong parts. there. Sneak over. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. going to try to see if I can get over that weekend to see you personally. Going to try to rope okay. up the family and, and get them over there. So, Hal's been looking for an excuse to get over to property for a few months oh, now. Yeah. So. I'm always itching to figure out something. And, and one of my kids always wants to take a monorail ride. So I just have to see who I can hijack. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, why don't, you tell, why don't you tell all of our listeners where they can find you on the web? Oh, sure. Um, so I go by uh, Monigog. Um, which is M-O-N-T-Y-G-O-G. I'm on, that's my um, name for Twitter and Instagram. I use them a lot. Um, I also have a, a blog spot, which is monigog, M-O-N-T-Y-G-O-G dot blogspot dot com. And that's where I, I try and post it. I'm kind of lousy with updating my blog, but I do try and put stuff up there. Um, but if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, that's usually where I, I'm much more current on what's coming out. I try and constantly post, you know, the next thing. So I keep up with Dave on Twitter. So, well, thanks very much for being on the show. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Any, anytime the next, next yeah. time you're coming around again, we will, we will have you back on to talk about that too. Absolutely. Next time you want to roll out some new Disney stuff, let us know. We'd love to have you on and talk about it. Sure thing. Yeah. Sounds good. Follow Todd McCartney and Retro Disney World on Twitter and Instagram at RetroWDW, on Facebook at Retro Disney World. And for all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroWDW.com. On Twitter, you can find our producer, Jason Bartell from Deepwater Studios, at JasonDWS. Our announcer, Andre Gardner, at Andre Gardner. And follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, at GoAwayGreen. For JT Couser, at LS1JT. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, at Brian P. Miles. <laughs>